0: Welcome to Moves That Matter. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, and I'm excited once again to have you guys here on a Tuesday night right here with Dr. Posley, getting into the word of God, getting into social activism, uh, getting into issues, cultural issues. I'm looking forward to this new topic I'm introducing tonight, but keep in mind, I'm just introducing it. I'm just coming back off a of vacation, and I appreciate the viewership. Uh, My producer, uh, uh, Pastor Hudson, has been talking to me about our increase in numbers. We're getting up into uh, over a thousand in terms of our viewership and in some cases of one thousand five hundred. So we're thankful for that. We're looking forward. we're going to be extending uh, what we're doing to Twitter and Facebook, getting some of this information out. You don't want to miss this. I'll be right back. I'm back, and I told you I'd be introducing a new series today entitled Seven Reasons Why Racism Works in America. So, as with all uh, teachings that I do, it's always rooted in the Word of God, and so we're going to do that very thing today. I'm going to read from you from the the uh, epistle of James, the the half-brother of Jesus Christ, fourth chapter of the book of james friendship with the world is enmity with god verse eight draw near to god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts i want to introduce tonight seven reasons why racism works in america Let me start out by telling you that every principle, each one of these seven principles that I will be giving you over the course of the next several weeks through interviews with people and through, uh, and guests and through teaching from the Word of God, they're all rooted in Scripture. One of the things I can teach, I can preach, I can share the Word of God, and there is no corporation that can call and get me canceled. There is nobody that can call and get me fired because what I am saying is not Uh, out of fear it's out of the courage of a free man i'm not worried about somebody saying they don't like me these next several weeks is going to ruffle some feathers for some people and make you uncomfortable but that's what the old testament prophet did and that's what the prophet of god is designed to do it is our job as men and women of god to 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 work for god by disturbing people comfortable people normally do not do triumphant things for god I'm going to say that again. People who are comfortable in their service to God normally are not doing triumphant things for God. Jesus was by no means a pacifist. I need you to hear what I'm saying today. Jesus was by no means a pacifist. He was a radical, bold, truth-telling at the cost of his life Kind of servant for God. And that's what I want to be. And so I say that as a segue into, as a prelude in terms of information, letting everyone understand that while you may not agree with everything I have to say over the course of these next seven weeks, you won't be able to refute any of what I have to say because history, theology, sociology, and cultural understanding will prove out everything I have to say. Let me introduce the seven, the, the seven reasons why racism works in America. The reason that I uh, started on this journey to discuss why racism works in America is because of the ignorance. I didn't say stupidity, but the not knowing, if you will, uh, the 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 epistemological deficits that rest in our culture and in America. Epistemology simply means knowledge sources and deficits or about what we don't have. Most of us think we have proper knowledge sources, but we don't have it in proper context and understanding. And when people don't have proper context and understanding, it's easy for them to listen to media or listen to people or listen to lying prophets or listen to people who buy into their concept of predisposed thinking already and let their truths Dictate what is true for them, but can I tell you something? None of us owns truth because none of us owns Jesus. Jesus says in the book of John, uh, John, chapter fourteen and verse six, "I am the way." He says, "I'm the truth, and I'm the life." He is the truth. So white people don't own truth. Black people don't own truth. No culture owns truth. No continent owns truth. God owns truth, and He has given it to us in the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the word of God. So uh, when it comes to truth, we need to accept what we often do not like. But if we want to be free in our minds, only truth can set us free. The book of John chapter eight and verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When it comes to racism and how it works, ignorance of racism and its power and its weaponry, how Satan has weaponized racism is how racism starts the process of beginning. Keep in mind, this is an introduction. And one of the things I'm saying to you as I introduce how racism is destroying the fabric of America and how it has historically been used as a weapon to destroy, divide, separate and, and, and weaken even the body of Christ. When I tell you that, I'm telling you the foundational truth I'm starting with is racism has been weaponized by Satan historically over the years. Division is how Satan has used racism over the years. And when he can use pit cultures, pit complexions, pit uh, commitments and loyalties against each other, I'm going to say that again, when he can when he can pit cultures and pit complexions of people and pit commitments or people's loyalties against each other through racism that he is then able to use racism to divide people satan's number one tool uh, is division the number one thing that satan does is create adversarial uh uh confrontation Uh, against one another and when he can pick people against one another he can divide us because he knows we are always weaker apart than we are together the bible says that about marriage for example two are better than one for if one falls, the other can pick them up the bible teaches us that the three-quartered strand is not easily broken so satan has always tried to use division. Uh, Satan used division in the Garden of Eden. He pitted Eve against Adam. Satan used division when it came to Job's house. He pitted Job against his wife. Uh, Satan has always tried to use division. Um, uh, in, in the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, uh, Jesus told uh, Peter, who would be the first preacher on the, preacher on the day of Pentecost Satan has desired to have you Jesus told Peter that he may sift you create separations in your life that's what a sifter does that he may that he that that he may destroy you so Satan is always trying to use division and race is his number one tool among humans I want you to keep what I just said in mind race is Satan's number one tool against cultures against complexions against commitments of people to create, create division when he can do that he can destroy us now so over i'd say i'm introducing this uh seven reasons why racism works in america i'm going to touch on various topics over the uh, next few weeks that deal with, uh, uh, some very pointed issues about how racism works. Let me just touch on a few and I'm gonna get out of your way, uh, uh, with this introduction. One, for, and I'm gonna touch, I'm only gonna touch on this. So if you have a comment about it, comment on down at the bottom. One of the reasons, for example, and I'll deal with this and put them in order later. One of the reasons that, uh, racism works in America, uh, is because of lies, lies, historic lies. Uh you see I told you that Satan is always trying to pit uh uh cultures and uh, complexions against each other. For example, here's one here's one lie that it, that that causes the church uh, to suffer and Satan has promoted it over the years that Jesus was a white man. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus was not even light-skinned, let alone was he a white man? But if Satan can can convince an entire culture of people that that they own the rights, if you will, the cultural complexional rights of Jesus, that he can perpetuate the notion of superiority among a culture of people and make them believe that because the the God that walked the earth in Jesus Christ was a white person, then you must be the descendants of great whiteness. I need you to understand today. Not only was, um, Jesus not white, but the superior race of people on earth were black skinned people like myself, Jesus, who was a Hebrew, Jesus was a black man. Jesus was a black man. Uh, let me, let me go. But the, first of all, the Bible says he had hair like, um, wool and, and feet like brass. Brass is in no way light skin. It is dark skin. Let me take some steps back. Jesus and his mother and his earthly father, Joseph, when Herod decreed to kill all the two-year-olds went to, um, hide out in Egypt. They hung out in Egypt for two years without being discovered. How does a, a, a white, mother and white father and white baby not get discovered and stick out in black dark skinned egypt here's why cause they look just like the people these the the descendants And I'm going to touch touch on this a little bit later. I know some of you are going to want to talk about it. The descendants of Israel that we have often tried to label as light skin or white, white skin looking people like the Jewish people that we know of today in America did not exist in the Bible. The Hebrews that we know of in scripture throughout the entire Bible are people of color. How do you prove that? Well, let's go back as far as even Moses. When Moses was discovered floating down the Nile, he was raised by Egyptians who did not know Moses was not their brother until it was released. Information was given by Pharaoh. He grew up next to the Pharaoh's son Ramses and looked just like him and did not know that they, they did not know they were not actual brothers until it was revealed to them. These are individuals Who were the same complexion and they were dark. The Egyptians were all burnt faced. Egypt was a land of a people of a burnt face. And so Moses was dark skinned. Abraham, his name has been interpreted Abraham, black father of the faithful. So, um, Abraham, history proves, was a dark, dark skinned man, a black, dark skinned man moses a dark black-skinned man jesus the bible says was dark black-skinned man i'm getting ready to shock you now so if paul was a jew and the other jews are proven to be dark-skinned then paul was a dark black-skinned man the there is this whitewashing of scripture that has many people believe wanting you to be uh, to buy into the notion of the white Jesus on your wall, the white Jesus uh, 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 propagated through our prop- uh, uh, propaganda through over the years. The truth of the matter is there are many historians that have tried to hide and cover the fact that of the blackness that whitewashing in scripture has tried to make people believe. And it's not that the Bible is wrong. It's those who had other motives were wrong because they wanted you to believe that dark darkness, as Solomon said, that he was black and beautiful. Uh, they want you to believe that darkness and blackness was foul and wrong. If you look in some dictionaries, it'll tell you that black has a bunch of terrible connotations. Pastor, what does this have to do with racism? Well, if I can convince a people that they are of a sub uh, standard, they are, and that that white skin is superior then I can push the notion of race as a superiority and I can infuse it in my religion and then convince you that, that I am superior, even in the expression of Christianity. Why? Because if I am superior in the expression of Christianity, then I am even in charge of your religion. Even that's a lie. White people did not start Christianity. The earth, or 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 uh, of the expression, of expansion of Christianity. I'm going to deal with this later. You can get a lot of this information in, uh, in Henry Louis Gates' teachings. My friend Dr. Theron Williams has written a powerful book entitled "The Bible Is Black History." Uh, but all of these, all of what I'm teaching, can be buried out. The the, the descendants of the uh, Hebrews that we know of in Scripture can be traced back in migration as early as uh, Second Kings to uh, to uh the land of Africa uh, the Igbos, that 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 uh, who are still carry uh, still a tribe in Africa now still carry on traditions that are biblical uh and can be traced back to the same traditions of the israelites in the bible the tinbuck 2 the original first known college that we know of in Africa was in a land of dark faced people the tapestry and buildings proved to us that the history of Christianity was a history of black, dark uh, 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 people, people like Augustine, Constantine. These are individuals who were dark-skinned black people. Why? If, if this lie can be perpetrated, then racism can be used as a form of weaponry To keep people divided and if this lie is bought into then before you know it all of the world believes that blacks in any fashion are evil and the condemnation of blackness is perpetuated and and even bought into by some black people we'll deal with that over the course of the next few weeks and i'll bring guests in to argue it with me argue with me Uh, another reason that that um uh uh racism works in america is because it is systemic it because of the historical lies about race and about superiority and about the condemnation of black skin which is discussed in a book uh 2011 book by gabron gabir muhammad gabron muhammad who is a, a harvard professor in his book the condemnation of racism understanding the criminal the, the criminalization of urban america you can find that book it's a 2010 book about this harvard professor but um uh uh if if, if you buy into this notion then you'll understand you begin to understand that racism is systematic what is what do you mean by systematic and systemic i mean that racism is a part of all of the American fiber and there's not a component of American existence that does not include an intentional expression of racism, economics, healthcare, drug abuse, addiction, urban America, suburban America, government, church, all of it is systemic. It is a part how does race become so systemic in America. Because the foundations of America were born, the establishments over 400 years ago of a notion of America was established by a group of people that sought to use the notions of superiority of one race over another to found a nation. And when you decide to found a a nation, or make the notions of the foundations of a nation with racism, then you sprinkle the very foundation of uh, the building of that country with racism, then there's no way that all of what you do, your treatment of people, cannot have racism in it. That, it was racism that called ultimately called the pilgrims to, lead, uh, to, to end up massacring the Indians they once ate with, after landing on Plymouth Rock, its it was racism that caused us to forget that Haitians helped us fight in the French war here in America, down in Louisiana. It is racism that causes us to forget that it was no problem for white settlers to massacre Indians and to kill uh, uh, Mexicans and to the Aztec Indians and to kill uh, 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 massive amounts of slaves trying to maintain their superiority. The fabric, the foundation, the fundamental formulation of America is rooted in racism. And when racism is at the very root of a nation, there is no way for racism to not be a part of it unless somehow we find a way to come to an understanding and a realization and a, and, and some form of institutional economic An educational reparation for the harm that racism has done. How how do you, what do you mean? Let me give you, let me give you an example as as I, as I move forward away from this introduction. I cannot wait to get this teaching going, but let me give you this, this information and let you know, I'll give you a picture of how racism forms in, in, in America. My daughter was in the lower level at my house, uh, and, and she was going to stay there uh, uh, with my grandson, and uh, she asked me for a blanket. Laying on a piece of the furniture in the lower level at the house is a is a quilt, is a quilt. And uh, when she asked, my daughter asked me for a blanket, I instantly looked over at this quilt to grab it to give to her. Uh, when I looked at the quilt, I discovered I saw a red mark on the quilt. And I instantly thought that, oh baby, I can't, let me go upstairs and get you a different blanket because this red mark tells me that this blanket may be dirty, may need to be washed. When I got up to go upstairs to get a blanket, I grabbed the quilt to take it to the laundry room. And I began to try to scrape off the red mark that I saw on the quilt upon, uh, when I pulled the quilt closer to me, I, I smelled that my, uh, that the quilt, Smelled downy fresh, meaning that my wife had already had recently washed the quilt. It was fluffy and it was it smelled good. I can tell she had washed it, and so I began to think, well, if this if this quilt, this woven quilt, is clean, I, I looked closer and saw that she had sent the quilt out to to the cleaners, and it still had the cleaning tag on it. When I began to look closer, I began to try to look at the red mark, and I discovered that the red mark on this quilt was not a stain at all. But what this, what what it was, was a piece of red that was in part of the fiber that was used to make the quilt. Now this quilt was like sort of like an Afghan, and this quilt had been made uh, supposedly seventy-five years ago. Isn't that interesting? That this red mark that is not the same color of the main color scheme of this quilt is in here, and I'd never noticed. What I decided right then when I noticed that red mark was I was going to have to live with the fact that this red mark was a part of this quilt. Why? Because the red mark had been woven into the fiber of this quilt at the time the quilt was made. There is no then no existence of this quilt that would ever exist without this red mark being a part of the fiber because it was woven in at the very beginning. No matter where this quilt goes, the red mark would be there. If I took this quilt traveling with me, the red mark would be there. If my daughter took the quilt home, the red mark would be there. Why? Because when the quilt was made, the red mark was made because they chose a thread that had the red mark in it. America, those founding fathers of this country that we celebrate so, George Washington, uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, 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 all of these U.S. Grant, U- Ulysses S. Grant and all of these people, they were slave owners. They were individuals who believed that racism was right. They believed that it was, that subjugating black people was proper. They, they, they owned, they believed that owning another individual and, and and utilizing his back and soul for the purpose of my evil intentions to build my life on the back of someone that I have subjugated was right. And if the founding fathers believed that it was right, then the founding of the country believed that it was right. Then that means the founding constitution that was written was written by people who had notions of the righteousness of racism in the writing of the constitution. So if the founding fathers were racist and their thoughts about the Constitution were racist, then their thoughts about people were racist. And that is why racism continues to work in America. Why? Because there's never been an America that didn't stand at least some degree on the notion of racism as a necessity. I'm going to talk a little more about this next week. God bless you. I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. That's going to end our segment. I have one announcement. Hit share. You don't want to miss what I have to say next. Hit share so we can start out together with the seven steps next week. I'll be right back. Hi, I'm back. Listen, there's something that I want every pastor to hear. And if if you hit share or, or tag your pastor in this, you will be really helping me out. I'm a part of uh, the Union District Association of Baptist Churches in Indianapolis. Our moderator, or our bishop, but we call him a moderator, is Dr. Leroy Wallington. He has asked me to work work with him uh, to establish a racism forum. And the purpose of this forum, which will be led by me, I am the... Uh, coordinator of racial and social justice department for the union district. It'll be led by Dr. Wallington, myself and other pastors. We're going to create a series of, of forums, open forums where pastors bring their members and other pastors come. We create a series of several panel discussions, open public media, there panel discussions where we confront some of the evil rhetoric being d- set forth by the racist rents, uh, and attacks by President Donald Trump, his attack on the four congressmen of color, of course, his attack on the prestigious Elijah Cummings, his attacks on all uh, uh, on on these these uh, four. Congresspersons and Elijah Cummings and his other s uh, asshole comments and his other evil rhetorics are just a part of the Southern strategy that was used by George Wallace. That was there's recent information to come out now that, that has Ronald Reagan on tape at the UN calling uh, uh, Africans monkeys. This is a strategy. Donald Trump believes that he can stir up his evil base of individuals uh, to uh, come out and vote for him again by stoking the fears and fires that, uh, that are in racism. These forums that we're gonna be discussing are gonna teach us, number one, how to combat this racism, how not to participate in the, re- number two, how not to participate in the rhetoric of it, and what congregations need to be doing to mobilize themselves to get this man out of office. He is wretched. He is a stain. He is the evil that, that we do not want leading our country. We have to learn uh, how to combat rhetoric with truth. Let me give you a quick example and I'm going to be done with our show for today. It's interesting that this opioid crisis that is hitting black people far more than it is hitting white people. um, But you're not hearing that this opioid crisis. Interestingly enough, when it happens with white people, it's a tragedy. When it happens with black people, it's a moral issue. Re, uh, uh, drug addiction is not simply a moral issue; it is a public health crisis, and it falls along the lines of racism. It's a problem now because it's di- it's, it's 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 creeping into the house where Susie is the daughter, instead of uh, and not only the house where Tequita is a daughter. It's it's a problem now because Johnny is having to deal with it, and 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 uh, when it was it wasn't so much a problem. When, when Jerome was having to deal with it. I use these names because they come along racial lines. I want you to know today this forum is designed to bring intelligent men and women together, to have intelligent discussion and a professional forum where we can create a think tank and address these issues and win uh, 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 a position back where policy can get back to the forefront that helps everybody and not just one race of people. Let me close by telling you this today. Um, Whenever we perpetuate evil by silence, we become a participant of the evil. There are are many Republicans who know good and well that Donald Trump is evil and wrong, and they will claim to not be in line with him, but their silence proves them to be liars. When you know evil is going on that is hurting people and you choose to be quiet, you are a co-conspirator. Help the country, help your culture, and help yourself by opening your mouths and let the truth that you claim to live by become a public reality in your life. That is Moves That Matter today. In life, you'll always be making moves, whether in silent or publicly. I'm asking you today, as I do every week, to make your moves, Moves That Matter. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley. I will see you next week. God bless you.